The California condor is the largest North American bird and went extinct in the wild in 1987 when the last one was captured. But thanks to the clever use of hand puppets in the breeding program, they are now back in the wild. Welcome to Three Quarters Focused? Maybe we are focused today. I'm Rasmus. And I'm Red. Is it my turn? And I'm Brett. No, it's, it's, it's supposed to be Jan. <laughs> I know, but what the fuck? No, He's just a... Okay, I'm going after the monitors, like one, two, three, four. So this They're is always in different orientation. Stuff. That's not fair. <laughs> and mayhem ensues, as per usual. Hey, I'm Brett. Not... Hey, Hello. Brett. Hello. Thank you for joining us. Yeah. I'm so Good happy to be here. here. This is wonderful seeing you guys' faces again. I mean, it's it's been well it, it, a while since we met last. Now, I mean, I sort sort of realized that no, you weren't there at Maker Central. It's been ages. Yeah, it's yeah. been at least what two or three years now. At least one pandemic, I think. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> we start gauging things on on pandemic time. Two years, okay, every two years. It's like a yeah. fortnight. Two thousand nineteen. Uh, yeah, May second was it? Something like that. God, that was forever ago. Yeah, <laughs> more than two years. But Brett, how the fuck are you doing? What have oh. you done during these two years? <laughs> it's <laughs> actually <laughs> it has been such a strange two years, and I know uh, for anybody that listens to this, that may happen to listen to the Fools with Tools podcast, we've obviously continued doing it, but we rarely talk about. Um, especially from a wide view, what the last two years have been. Like Steve's been going through a lot. Al's been going through a lot of changes. And uh, with me moving out to California, you know, I, I've talked about it a little bit, but I got a property out here for relatively inexpensive by the standards of capitalism in the U.S. and started working on it. But um, this permitting process and all of these things that I wasn't aware of when I got into it, has led to two years of me making very, very slow progress um, on the house itself to get it up to residential code. I've been doing tons of work on it and building things inside, but then also trying to, let's say, shift into um, my own, let's not say rest of my life, but like, what is the new thing, right? What is my new... Um, workload look like what is what do i do for a living um and more recently i i did take a bit of a break from social medias and youtube things just because um between my own personal life and things going on behind the scenes the house was getting a bit just daunting it's not like there's a <clears throat> a ton of work it's just wait time um and it started to get a little uh I don't know, it was like this looming cloud that just never really went away because I didn't feel like I was yeah. making enough progress. And then... I mean, it feels like it's been uh, like an absolute onslaught of paperwork yeah. in an effort yeah. to yeah. try to get... I mean, was it like a semi-habitable shack when you bought it? They call it a not even? recreational cabin. And just to do a really parsed down version of what that means yeah, is yeah. Please. out here in the area, in the desert... It was a bit of a Wild West show for years and years. And then everyone started airbnb their recreational cabins. And you could get away with building something up to 400 square feet without any permits 
and without actually having to have any utilities on site. So it was four walls and possibly a toilet, you know, something very minimal for people to come out to the desert, which Joshua Tree is known for coming out and having a drug filled weekend, you know, and going and experiencing the desert while you're on mushrooms. And everyone was doing it. (laughs) Yeah, everyone was doing it. And and they built tons. People built tons of these little uh, recreational cabins, but they're up to no code. There was no real enforcement. And then Airbnb and the state of California both kind of joined up and said, we need people to pay property taxes and we need them to be safe enough and habitable enough to know that the people that are staying in them aren't going to die. Uh, Those Uh, party poopers. Yeah, right. Terrible. (laughs) Um, So there's there's this they played the benefit, you know, of, oh, but if you get it, it'll be worth more because it's up to residential code. And look at all of these benefits that you get if you put it up to code and build it out correctly but then no one was able to airbnb them anymore which is why i got this place because the guy was airbnb like he has a dozen of these properties um Mm -hmm. but he i don't know he got raked with the whole uh airbnb thing and then when the pandemic hit that was right after i got the place so it just slowed everything down to begin with it slowed everybody down that was trying to do the conversions and so I'm in a stack of paperwork of the you know back burner list of people trying to get all of these things up to conversion. So it's just been a drag. And then fast forward to the more recent times, uh, everything's opening up again, but I'm still in that, that long list of people that have been waiting. And yeah, amidst everything else, I just, I just took a little bit of a breather from things. It's been really helpful. I've been trying to focus on responsibilities and the things that I need to get done to progress forward and, you know, trying to build out a client to be an adult. Yeah. Yeah. I'm 36. I got shit to do. (laughs) I still don't have any kids or a wife or anything. So it's, it's, you know, it allows a lot of breathing room in terms of what I can choose to do day to day, but, um, owning a property and not necessarily having a full-time job or, reliable income on a regular basis you know it still adds those stresses everybody's got stresses regardless of what your situation is but i just decided to take a bit of a step back to focus on said responsibilities and i feel like i'm easing back into it i mean i feel like this being on here with you guys and chatting again is always a nice reminder of the people that i've met because of stepping into the maker community but it never really had anything to do with yeah i I made youtube videos and, and people found me through that but uh, the the personal aspect or the meeting people at the events or or even just chatting with people through whatever online platform has been really nice. I have had people kind of checking in with me periodically over the last few months. Cause like, where are you? Are you okay? <laughs> Which is very sweet and a and a reminder of such things. But yeah, it's been a it's been a really weird two years, and that has nothing to do with the pandemic for me because I existed out here. You know, we were just like the little crew that we had out here was individual workers. Anyways, we didn't have to answer to anybody or go into an office. Um, I guess you sort of were in your own bubble even before the pandemic started. Yeah, absolutely. I I think though the pandemic just basically put a huge waiting period on everything you were trying to do. (laughs) Yeah, it really did. But it also allowed me to focus. Yeah. Sometimes a forced break isn't the worst thing. Yeah, absolutely. I agree with that. And I, you know, hopefully we can all look back at this years from now and go, wow, that was a really trying time. You know, financially, a lot of people got uh, pinched and 
you know, people lost jobs and people lost friends and family members because of it. I dodged a lot of that. Uh, but like everybody else, it's been a trying time just to figure out how to kind of get out on the other side and also maintain, uh, you know, a creative outlet and, and motivation to do creative projects and things like that. It can get a little, you feel like you're drowning a little bit just in the, the general vibe or tone of things going on around you. So you don't necessarily wake up feeling like today's a good day to make something cool and make a video and be really happy and excited about everything. You wake up and go, everything sucks. I just want to sit inside and play video games. <laughs> yeah. I know that feeling. Yeah, let's let's fast forward another two to three years. <laughs> Stick out the head on of the doors. Like, is it over yet? No. Okay, <laughs> back to playing video games. I'm going back inside. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. How's the yeah. situation with with the house right now? Is, is it kind of all sorted? Like the administrative, all the paperwork are, are like uh, done or um, close to be? I I would love to say that it's close. Um, But just because of the way that the administration works out here, I did receive an email from the man in charge. We'll put that in quotes. Um, he kind of holds the keys and does the final sign off. And I sent a huge email. Like it was a very long email with a lot of information and a lot of photo documentation that I had taken of the work that I had done here. And that was supposed to be kind of the final push of, Here's me verifying that I did all the plumbing correctly and the electrical correctly and all these things. And uh, I waited a month. And the other day I got an email back from him and I was like, oh, I'm so excited. And the email just said, hey, uh, what's your permit number again? And I was like, oh, no. So I send that oh, off wow. and he actually got back to me really quickly. And he goes, oh, it looks like my my guy came out there a couple months ago and looked. Uh, why didn't it go forward? And then. The guy that oh, came that out was, here that to was that was the one. It's like, oh, the the walls are closed in, so I can't exactly. Say I was like, I don't understand yeah, okay. the order of operations here. You wanted me to be finished so you can sign off on the finished aspect of it, but you want the walls to still be open with no drywall. I don't understand how that works. And so the Very joke cool. the joke has become, I kind of made buddies with the guy in charge, and then because so many people started doing conversions and stuff during the pandemic, people moved out here and bought land and started building things. I made friends with the owner of the restaurant and the owner of the restaurant said, oh, you're good. You can come in and pay and you don't have to pay. You can have free food. And then I came into the restaurant and the waiter was like, you owe me $50. And I was, I yeah. told him I'm friends with the guy and then it all got mixed up. So I sent him a bunch more information the other day because I'm supposed to be in the final throes of it. I'm it's, mm -hmm. it's a one piece of paper. And then I think a little bit of a, I have to pay for a cost or something, but it's one sheet of paper that just says you've done everything correctly and you are now considered a residential building. But again, I'm caught in this weird purgatory of no one really knows. And because they have so many other people involved, it's it's like, well, you're one of a yeah. thousand. So we want to try and get you done. But at the same time, you're lost in the sauce. So I, I don't know. Damn it. I'm I'm supposed to be in the final throws. So to answer your question, like I felt like I was making a lot of forward progress. I'm waiting to hear back from the guy right now. Hopefully it happens soon because that would really alleviate a lot of just that that looming cloud. You know, nothing's really changing. I'm able to cover all my bases right now, but really I don't get to build. I don't get to expand. I don't get to add any more to the place because 
I don't know if you guys have ever dealt with this or if it's the same over in your areas of Europe, but if you make any changes or additions while you're in the middle of a permitting process, it resets you. So if I do anything, I have to wait again. And I don't want to do that. I th- yeah, I think that's... I think California has, uh, quote-unquote, a fairly European bureaucracy. <laughs> it might be the case. Uh, as far as I've heard. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. At least there's a lot of things I've heard about people complaining about California that is every day in Europe. But even here, it's big difference between Germany, where you need to have permit for putting up a new nail nah. in the wall. Oh, uh, God. <laughs> hearing, hearing, some yeah. of, hearing our yes German no. friends talk about stuff, like even Kiel making you know comments or when yeah. Laura was talking yeah. about stuff, the amount of red tape they have to deal with over there is nuts. Yep. Anyway, this has been a very interesting conversation about my tiny little house, but thanks, guys. Yeah, we, we can come back to it. But <laughs> yeah. in the meantime, uh, how, how's your week, Red, Jan? One of you. Yeah, and you said should, your week I start? So, so yeah, please oh, start. It's not, that's not even the start of it. Like, I had a weird week, like building up till today, actually. Um, so the weekend was actually really nice. We went to oh, friends of us. Uh, went to a creek restaurant, which is close by next to a river here. And um, the reason I'm mentioning that is because there was, uh, we were sitting outside on the balcony and there was at the end of the evening, a duck coming up and probably being used to being fed by the guests of the restaurant on the terrace. And so it walked up without any fear. So it was cool, like petting the duck a little bit, which was just looking for food <laughs> and then one of the waiters came out and tried to like shush it away from the terrace so um actually steph my wife just grabbed it grabbed the duck and just carried it back and she's like oh my god i held the duck i held the duck and it was not afraid <laughs> at all but the second my wife turned around the duck would also turn around and just walk up the stairs again and go towards the restaurant <laughs> so <laughs> so it went inside the restaurant where it's like greek full of people there was a band playing and the side playing greek music and you had that duck walking around like between the tables <laughs> so i caught the, like- so i caught the duck again that was the fun part where like everybody was looking weird the, the children that were they were like going crazy because i was holding a duck so i brought the duck out again and it tried to do that like two more times and there's also a fun <laughs> picture of that um me holding the duck basically and ducks are really fluffy and cuddly and it wasn't afraid at all it was a little bit complaining by carrying it out the second time because it really wanted food but it gave up like after like three or four times so that that was nice that was the weekend that was going well so far then um monday evening to take care now or you'll you'll turn into disney princess or something (laughs) yeah disney princess usually don't have to go duck hunting (laughs) Uh, fair enough yeah but um yeah so that that was like kind of like the fun end of the week. Um, Monday evening was the next event, which kind of like that set the whole thing spiraling a little bit out of control. I received a call from my brother telling me that a buddy of ours was found dead in his apartment. So that kind of like ruined my week at that point. Uh, still don't really have any information about it other than it was like a medical emergency. So not sure what happened. I'm still waiting for more. Yeah, but I'm not going to bother his brother who actually was the one who found him. So, yeah, that that kind of just put a huge damper on things, uh, which actually was the reason I didn't sleep that night. And uh, the next day, I just took the conscious decision of taking an unpaid day off 
uh, packing my stuff, going to the public pool, um, swimming. After that, I got a massage at the like local massage parlor. And in the evening, I went to spontaneous uh, to a concert, Blind Guardian concert with a friend of mine. Ooh. And just yeah, that's, that sounds all right. And just appreciated being alive. Yeah, because yeah. I, it was kind of almost like when you're watching a movie and you're watching yourself. I was completely out of it, but at the same time, I know I couldn't sit at home. So I just made that decision of just like powering myself out to maybe get some sleep. Then after that, it's like, oh, what can I do to make myself mm -hmm. feel better? Got the massage. And then after that, just like buddy hit me up and it's like, hey, you down for that concert? And I'm like, oh, hell yeah. And um, after that, I went back to work the next day, yesterday. And um, today, yeah, was basically almost a normal day at work except that i got tickets for rammstein next year in berlin <laughs> i managed to get a couple of tickets or nice. like a few tickets so my wife and i and next are gonna year? go wait next uh, year that's 2023 july and they already sell tickets damn that's early oh and they were sold out within minutes yeah so managed to, they had some extra dates, so we managed to get some tickets there. So I'm excited for that, but still it was kind of weird. And I got home and just like, well, met my wife. Well, I also had a doctor, or I forgot on Monday, so I had a doctor appointment for um, just a checkup. And I'm thankfully perfectly healthy. <laughs> I got the results good. today. That's good. Yeah, uh, except um, a little bit of high blood pressure, but nothing too serious. And yeah, got home and then to the news that we all heard that the queen has died. So that kind of put the icing on the cake of everything of just being weird and completely strange. So that has been my week so far. <laughs> Red, how about you? <laughs> yeah, uh, what about me? Um, I took a nap at some point. Of <laughs> oh yeah, okay. <laughs> And it was a good nap. Uh, <laughs> I mean, I've read, read. Jan is telling us about all his troubles and tribulations from this week. And you're like, I had a nap. Yeah, but I think. nothing That's... really happened to me, uh, <laughs> thankfully. Uh, it, it, it was like very usual week. The kiddo got back to school. Uh, so my you, days were filled red, with... You don't have to on. hold back. You can tell us what kind of movies and series you watch. It's, it's fine. It's okay. Yeah, I'm here I've now, seen so, so I'll, talk many. To, I'll talk about all those things. I'm I'm at the end of season four of Boston Legal that I started just last week, and damn, it's so good. Um, <laughs> no, but seriously, uh, I, I've been working on a project that I mentioned last week. My chest set, three uh, D printed. Uh, chest set with the leather uh, board, so to speak, uh, and it took way much time than I anticipated when I started it, um, because there is a, a weird uh, difference of time between the time that Cheetobox announce you and the time that the printer actually takes to make the pieces that you are printing with like the, the, the time estimate is off? yeah yeah it's it's off by more than two hours which is oh that's oh. weird yeah a bit weird so i was like okay i'm gonna be able to print uh, everything in two days and no so um yeah it, it took way more time than expected and i realized like just before 
the recording that I've been, I, I primed the pieces and I painted the pieces, but it was the same color than the resin. So it doesn't look, uh, it doesn't appear on video. It, it, it looks like I've done nothing, which is kind of weird and uh, disappointing. Oh, it's a bummer. Can I, can I inject something really quick? One of the things that I have been noticing recently that I would love to see like a global takeover and f somebody figure this out is time estimation bars don't mean anything. Oh yeah. On, on yep. anything on your computer, on waiting, wait list things online. It doesn't really matter, but anybody yeah, that's, that's, that's doing the mathematics to establish time estimations on, like I had to reboot my computer from scratch and it was like 20 minutes. And then six hours later, it finally did its thing. <laughs> yeah. And it was like, don't yeah. tell me that. Just tell me that it's going to take six hours. I don't care. I just want to be able to play it on it. But I have Time noticed that. nothing but a construct. <laughs> I, I think it, somehow I think it's in, on purpose that, that people that are making the software and the things, seeing uh, that if you announce that it's going to take six hours, people will give up on it. And it's like better to keep them focused on the task to announce uh, a short time or something you, like that. You I really I think mean, there's I mean, a user no, experience person out there going, it, if we just lie to everybody, they'll... Yeah, I, I think they do. Actually, it's it's a really hard problem to solve because the different parts of installation process, for example, will take different amounts of time and be more taxing on different computers. So it's actually tremendously difficult to make a coherent and accurate progress bar. But I was I was stuck with customer services uh, early or last week, and they was like, oh, like uh, this was online. So you're chatting, I was chatting to a bot and telling them, okay, I need to talk with a human. And it tells me like, your number 30 something in queue, it will be 45 minutes. But then after two minutes, that number disappeared of how many minutes are left. So we're saying like, okay, currently it will be this long. So you can bugger off and do what, what, uh, whatever, but it has still that number of people in front of you in the queue. So it's like, okay, it says 30 minutes, but that will vary wildly depending on the problems that the, the customer It's depending on the rage of the person in front of you. <laughs> yeah, exactly. exactly. So like, the, off, like the, the number is really good in the beginning because that sort of means like, okay, I can do something for half an hour and then get back to the computer and see where I am in the queue. Yeah. But it also means like they also recognize it, the number doesn't mean anything because it's gone after a little bit. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I actually kind of like that. But uh, sorry, that's hijacks the conversation a bit early. It's maybe. the same with percentages. It's like basically the first fifty percent take two minutes, and the last fifty or like <laughs> yeah. the last twenty percent take twenty minutes. The last one percent takes two hours usually. You you reach ninety nine percent of downloading something, and the last one percent is like mm, two days. Um, anyway, no, I'm, uh, I'm done. More naps? Uh, more, okay. uh, no, uh, yeah, I, I took another nap. Uh, not oh, today. Did you, get, did you get your internet yet? You were talking about it last time. Oh, no, fuck, damn. Uh, Is France being French? I'm doomed. So the guy came, finally, <laughs> to install oh. the optical fiber. And so I was not expecting him to show up because the previous appointment that i had last week the guy just didn't show up and didn't go to work at it was all. the progress bar it was 50 of the delivery <laughs> was coming <laughs> so the guy shows up Not appointment but that's it yeah the, the guy shows up look at my wall and say oh you don't have the the optical fiber 
a special plug in the wall? Uh, I said, no, that's why I, I called you to install it and to plug me. And <laughs> well, like, sucks being you. <laughs> yeah, kind of, kind of, yeah. So uh, oh, he, wow. he unscrews it from the wall, take a look at the cable, try to put um, a wire, kind of flexible but hard wire in the wall to just reach downstairs where the thing is to plug me to the optical fiber and he can't pass the wire so hmm. that's where we are at now so i have to find a way Yay. to make this wire go down um three stories in order to call the guy back for him to uh plug me to the optical fiber might i suggest so, a hammer uh yeah i was yeah. gonna say that that's either that or high explosives you <laughs> your neighbors your neighbors be damned this is very important <laughs> I, I i told you to use use to drill and meet your neighbors no just go that, right through the show up at like, the door oh, hey i'm red <laughs> <laughs> exactly you already met my drill bit it's just like I, I think like looking through it it looks like it came out of your bathroom <laughs> if if i wasn't taking the risk of um damaging the electrical uh wires uh inside the walls and uh ceilings and everything i would totally do that but yeah. uh yeah you you can't even know where are where the wires are especially the plumbing because they are hidden inside the walls and the uh, floor so yeah i'm not going to take the risk to oh, just the entire building for optical fiber so I, I, i'll find a way but run it through so. conduits and just basically wear your matrix sunglasses and ring at the neighbor's doorbell and if they open it would you like the red conduit or the blue conduit <laughs> <laughs> and then just go and drill it into the wall <laughs> i'll find a way but yeah it just delays the the thing again and no. and it just this this started in back in february so yeah, there's I'm, always uh, it, one more thing yeah it's it's like you said brett it's always in the back of your mind and you just want to get rid of this problem to mm -hmm. move on and to 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 actually get something done so mm -hmm. didn't stop me i'm working on stuff and posting videos and, and 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 such but it just sucks to have to think about this problem over and over again so yeah right but other than that my week was fine till yeah i i heard just prior to this recording that the queen uh, has passed um yeah the queen of england yeah, the only uh, queen, um, the real queen. Of, hey, of... we have a queen too. Oh, you have? Of course we do. Oh, I thought you oh, had a king. The, 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 I'll have you know, <laughs> the Norwegian uh, royal family is older than the British one. But as I thought it was a, actually a king in Norway. But Yeah, we do. Of course, but you also have a queen. But you have both. But which one is the ruler of the country? Uh, it's a king. It's a king. So you have a king. So shut up. Um <laughs> Um, no, but uh, fine, it, it, fine. it's weird no because um, I, 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 there's no real reason for me to actually like the Queen of England. Uh, I'm not a royalist or anything like that. I'm, I'm, I'm super um, pro-democracy and, and in all its glory and such. But um, she's always been there. I've always known mm -hmm. her since I was born. It was the queen of england and yep. and she had a very 
weird and interesting life, uh, so to, so to speak. And and yeah, I don't I don't know why I liked her. And and knowing that she's gone, uh, and it's like still fresh. It's it was like one yeah. hour ago. It's it's super weird. Uh, and and it will probably. Take us, uh, me personally, and my wife also, because she she told me weeks ago that the day the, the queen will die, she will probably cry because she likes her as well, for the exact same reason. I, uh, I think as, as me, like, like on, on sort of a point of why you might like the queen. I think if I recall this correctly, I think she threatened to run away from home during the World War II to serve in the army or serve. That's probably mm. yeah yeah yeah. I remember that. that, uh, that I'm not sure if she threatened or if she, was she wasn't she, ended up she doing it or how that story was yeah, yeah. She, she went not frontline but she was doing yeah. work in, the, in uniform during the world war ii and she took so much shit from everyone was she 13 when the war ended or when it started i think I, she became queen in 53 i know yeah. that yeah we're not British. This is not a British history podcast. Yeah. We can move on. Yeah, anyway. Um, yes, she was awesome. Yeah, she was awesome. It sucks. I'm, I'm, I'm really sad tonight. Uh, and uh, I, my comments... It's another piece to... of history gone. Yeah, exactly. That That's it. That's that's something that, again, goes away in the long list of the uh, shitty stuff that we had to deal with in the past years. So, yeah. What about you, Raz? How was your week? Well, I just got back home from a funeral, so this is full circle. Okay. So <laughs> uh, no, I, I I can start off like I did a blacksmithing course again, uh, first after the summer this weekend. Again, keeping up the streak with having um, females attending all of the classes so far this year, which I think is really cool. And uh, one of them actually happens, uh, the, the one lady that attended, she uh, accidentally ended up being the blacksmithing teacher at the school uh, in Norway, a bit further south. Uh, okay. but she didn't know much. So she got the course with me uh, sponsored from the school, which like she was grinning ear to ear when she told me how she tricked the school into giving it to her uh, and how she'll probably come back to have a couple of more classes. Nice. Uh, but yeah, like uh, running out to customers, getting uh, measurements out, planning new jobs. And then today, uh, my granddad's funeral, um, which I want to say was really, really nice. I had a good cry during the service, which was really nice. There was uh, like him and all of his kids are musicians musicians, and play the fiddle. So during uh, the ceremony, they were playing a lot. They were singing a lot, which was really emotional. And then all of uh, his uh, form, a lot of his former students and current students uh, showed up. And all colleagues showed up with their fiddles. And there were 20-something people, I think, playing as they carried the casket out. And then when we had uh, a small gathering afterwards, as I said small, we were 80 people or something, like eating cake and reminiscing and telling jokes and stories and all of that. Uh, there were more fiddle playing. There was dancing. There was just fantastic. Uh, and I, I want to... Just, just because it's really hilarious, but like... Um, this is my step-grandfather and he was born and grew up on the opposite side of my grandfather, opposite side of the fjord of my grandfather out west in the fjords, uh, which is really convenient for my mom because he already had like one bunad from that era, national costume, so she didn't have to get a new one when she married again. <laughs> uh, but oh, oh. 
uh, there's, there's, uh, uh, he was uh, my, my step grandfather. He was uh, national championship in beer brewing a couple of years in a row, and like he was amazing in a lot of different ways. But one of the first times I met him, it was at a beer tasting here in Oslo, and we have this tradition in Norway of uh, it is called a bear chicken. Mm-hmm. So it's basically a, a small um, bowl with ornaments and usually a rhyme or something on the outside that you fill with beer and you pass it around and everyone drinks from it. It's a good old tradition from the Viking Age. Mm. And some of these uh, bowls, they will have more or less rude things written on them. Okay. And my grandfather, he picked up one that he recognized and he said, and I'm translating now, uh, what this was on this bowl. And he, like, he said that uh, I say about my bowl as a girl says about her pussy more in it damn that's okay yeah well and okay i i i uh i I think that speaks enough combined with all the music and the dancing i think that tells enough of a story about what kind of man he was and he was uh, brilliant in many ways. Yeah, I, I love how Brad and I don't even comment. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's like, mm, no. What a, what a awesome way to go, uh, like surrounded with colleagues, friends, family, and with music and dancing. I mean, that's that's. Uh, yeah. It, 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 we, we talked about this last time, and it was like kind of heavy topic. Uh, but. Good thing but, this week is so much lighter. Yeah. Uh, I, I tried. Sorry. No, but funerals <laughs> don't have to to be always sad. I mean, you can celebrate the life of someone with music, with dancing, with eating, yeah. and and stories and and laugh, uh, because that's what life is about. So when you are celebrating someone, uh, it's always good to have that kind of moment. Uh, mm-hmm. Also, you, 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 it's it's important to take the time to to grieve, mourn, and to cry. But but moving on and remembering the good times is, is is more important, I think. Yeah, agreed. And that segues beautifully into something else. New beginnings. <laughs> well, I that's guess, actually yeah. that's actually something that comes up pretty often um, in maybe not just American lore, but I know that I've heard stories of, you know, like someone dies and then something else happens or like a baby's born, you know, within a day or two of that. So it's like you're not trading one out for the other, but there is, you know, like life goes on the cliche statement, like something new will happen. This this will pass all of those things. Um, I think it segues beautifully, Rasmus, but that's your job. not mine. Thank you. Thank you. You hear that, Red, Jan? <laughs> yeah. It's okay. like this beautifully. This yeah. okay, I've, Brad, I've should, heard that before. Have, <laughs> Brad, we should have briefed you better. That, that's something you don't do with Rasmus. <laughs> 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 like you whole, you, you're opening up a whole kind of worm stare. It's like, nah. <laughs> I was told hey. I was doing a good job. <laughs> yeah, by Rasmus. <laughs> Fucked a lot of you. Ah. <laughs> uh. But Red, no, Brett, sorry, you were saying new beginnings. Oh, I'm sorry. I didn't know I was carrying that. I was having some coffee. Yes. No, yeah, well, it was a very dramatic pause, but Red can fix it in the uh, edit. Okay. Or he cannot. We'll, we'll wait and we see. We will wait and see. Um, as far as new beginnings go and coming off of the segue of death and funerals and things like that, um, I have 
I've had enough moments in my life or enough, um, like really, really influential experiences, you know, things that, things that happened to me that really shifted my life and either caused me to hit a reset on things, move, you know, shift to a new job or a new state, whatever it was. And I can almost pin every single one down on either a death or a loss of somebody in my life. Um, and so all this makes me think about with, with this discussion of, of death and the, the celebration in a very similar fashion, Rasmus, when my, uh, my dad's dad passed away, it was, as far as I'm concerned, one of the most beautiful funerals I've ever experienced. Now I was a, I was waterworks the entire time because I really liked that guy, but all they did was play his favorite music over the speakers the whole time it was going on, which was Johnny Cash and BB King and like all these old, just beautiful bluesy or bluegrassy things. And it was standing room only. I had no idea the guy was that like influential or touched that many people's lives where our small funeral venue was jam packed people standing. And then when I helped carry the casket out, there were still 50 people outside that couldn't even get in. And that, that moment actually led to like, I quit my job after that. I was working like a crappy minimal minimum wage job and started focusing on school a little bit more. And I was in university at the time and I, I started to try and figure out like, I got to do something else. I got to, I think Jane and Firefly has a, has a line of dialogue about this. And he's like, Oh man, when I see somebody die, I got to do something like makes me feel alive, like lift weights right in the scene. It's <laughs> yeah. the same kind of thing. Yeah. It's the re the response of almost like what Jan was talking about earlier, where I need to know that I can move on or I need to do something that kind of counteracts, you know, my grief and, and the feelings that I'm having. So every single time something like this happened in my life, it's like I hit a reset, but I really tried to push forward and I really tried to focus mm -hmm. on, whatever that new beginning was restarting. So, you know, I, I went from Kansas to Vegas, back to Kansas, to New York, to upstate New York, to California. And if you look at the pattern, it's three years, almost every three years is when I do those moves. Yeah. And every single like three years, it's almost as if I had to either travel back for a funeral, travel back to my hometown for a funeral or experience something locally. In New York, I lost a a friend who was a coworker to a really I'm not going to go into the story, but it was fucking horrible. And he was one of the sweetest people I'd ever met. And our our company was going through this like corporate takeover, and they were I don't know a bunch of new people were getting hired in, and they were all managers, and they didn't know anything. So. It was almost as if like that jump started me going, I don't really want to do this anymore. They don't really care about us. Like all of the, all of my friends that were coworkers showed up to the little funeral service that we had, but none of the higher ups and nobody that, you know, also worked with them that made more money. They didn't come there. So it started to make me go like, fuck you guys. I'm going to go do something that I want. I took my first blacksmithing class, which was a knife making course that I've made jokes about on other podcasts and things in the past. It was terrible. It was Looking back at it now, it was such a poorly done class, but it wasn't far after that that I started watching YouTube videos and then I met Jimmy and then I got out of that job and then I moved upstate and then just 
every single time that this has happened in the past where I've made the next step or gone on to the new beginning, I can almost pin it on a moment of grief that I've responded to by like, you eat that and you deal with it and you make it part of yourself. But then you realize you need to get out on the other side because the only healthy way to move forward is to not only deal with your grief, but like accept it as part of our lives and, and realize that like if you have the capacity to get out on the other side, it will only make you stronger and only make you appreciate things more. There's a saying, just really short, there's a saying in Germany uh, means volle Flucht nach vorne, which means like full escape forward. So basically it's not counting. It's basically as an escape, but just like going forward, like Mm -hmm. leaving something behind. I think that's, pretty matching for that case. Mm-hmm. Uh, that, that reminds me, there is uh, super nerdy. There's an achievement in uh, World of Warcraft, Wrath of Lich King, mm-hmm. at the Lich King, where it, where it says like, we are not retreating, we're advancing in an alternate direction. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Which I also really like, but that, that wasn't really my point. Uh, what I want to ask was like, does this moment of grief, is that sort of also a moment where you realize you have lost your way or just that you just realize that you want to do something else to some extent like is it lust of way or refocusing I don't, i'm not sure how to phrase that mm-hmm. better but maybe you get my drift yeah well i'd love to hear the other guys uh opinions on this too but i'll i'll jump start um yeah please i think well the the downtimes have different effects for different people right like everybody's wired different enough to handle either grief or moments of change kind of forced change upon you um everyone's got a a a different response system but mine seems to be that you know i talk about this three-year pattern that's happened it's because the first year in whatever the new beginning is that i've started it's it's like i'm learning and everything is new and everything is exciting and everything is fun and then the second year it's almost like i hit I hit whatever the groove is and I start to find my way and I start to feel better about things. And then the third year is the analysis. Is this what I want to continue doing down this path? And yeah, it takes, that, that makes sense. it's almost that pattern I keep talking about is just, I have to know within that third year, it's as if I've had to have all of the experiences before and then something will tell me I'm looking for that answer to know, if that's the thing going forward, do I continue this path? Does there need to be a reset button? And then I kind of read the the moments of grief, either that I've experienced or I am currently experiencing within those moments, right? So if I'm really not enjoying it after the third year, and every day I'm waking up being upset or uh, feeling down about things, then clearly it's like I've learned, you know, I got to experience the new thing, then I learned it. And now that I've gotten to this comfort level, I don't think this is what I want to do anymore. And instead mm-hmm. of instead of getting complacent, we're going, well, I'll just stick it out for a little bit longer. It is terrifying, no terrifying yeah. to hit a reset button, to undo mm-hmm. everything that you've spent, you know, two or three years doing. And this goes back to what I was saying earlier. Yes, I have a, a lack of responsibilities. I, I don't really like saying that because it seems condescending, but I've made choices that I, I don't have a lot of tie downs in my life. So I get I, I get the benefit of being able to hit those reset buttons because I don't have a lot tied down, but it's terrifying. 
And I, I, I have close friends of mine that are like, oh, you know, it's so cool that you're able to do that. And it takes a lot of takes a lot of guts to do that kind of thing. And while I appreciate that, you know, kind of cheerleading moment, I've never really thought about it that way because I, I, I think it's just a necessary, it's a necessary part of my life. But I think socially, at least here in America, I've seen so many people that either become complacent or are too scared to hit the reset button. So they spend 15 years doing the same thing hating mm-hmm. their life and be, being be upset miserable. all the time yeah and just yeah. like it's such a burden that they carry with them all day every day for such a long period of time that by the time they're able to even make a decision elseways it's like too yeah. far gone and you've lost all those experiences those opportunities and now you have to hit a reset button later in life where maybe you you have a little bit of financial stability, but maybe you've just like taken on more burdens and more responsibility. Yeah. And so I know I know I kind of like veered away from your original question, Rasmus, but the idea of dealing with moments of grief or or getting down about myself, like my response has always gone one of two ways. It's like, can I change that? Okay, what needs to be changed? And then accept the responsibility for, you know, I have to leave all this behind. I'm moving to a new state. I'm driving 3,000 miles to do all my stuff. That's part of the grief is like the getting out the other side and accepting that you are in control of your decision making. And because you're leaving the job or the company or whatever, no one else gets to tell you any different. I'm doing this for uh, me. Brad, indeed, like the danger of going full nerdy, but it's basically... You can treat it like being in a roguelike because yeah. what you do is yeah. it always like yes there is a reset button you hit when you do something new but that doesn't mean that you still take with you your experience and if you're lucky like your friends are still going to be there and still going to be the same mm-hmm. just you doing something completely different and moving to another city or country uh doesn't really change like basically you can grow every single time you do it mm-hmm you take mm-hmm. the XP with you. You're starting a new, like maybe you're just like completely resetting any career you have, but you usually don't reset friendships. True. Or the just the, the knowledge you had by like building something up, like you know the basics already, so it's easier for you in a new place to start it up. Yeah, I and mean I think the, it's the, like, the analogy of the video game makes so much sense to any of us that that play. But think about doing dungeon grinds, and like. You you do the same thing multiple times for whatever a new drop or experience or whatever it is, and then you move on, and then you look back, you know, a year later playing that game, and you're like, remember when we used to go in there at level twenty, and when like we got our asses kicked every time, and now I'm so strong yeah. I can walk in there and beat the boss in one shot. It's hilarious. Fucking resorfing down. <laughs> <laughs> I, I yeah. love the analogy of the video game because you're right. You can always take the experience with you because it is always forward momentum. It's only when yeah. you decide to either like quit the game and whatever yeah. that means, you know, you could take that into a dark way. But oh, and if yeah, and if you're hitting your like old hometown at one point, it's just going to be like new game plus. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it's just like, well, I'm back. Yeah, and I, I know where everything is, but you know, it's one of my XP. favorite things about uh, knowing Red and meeting him in the capacity that I did. Where, yes, he was our he was our <gasps> shepherd for a fool fly situation, but so much like the character of Shepherd in the movie, it's like I have no idea what got him here. There, there's just like <laughs> this man with so much experience and and life happenings behind him. 
wherever I met him now, I have no idea what's going, uh, what was going on behind the scenes prior to now. But clearly, someone has gained experience and done some dungeon runs that I am not aware of. <laughs> um, but Red, it's one of my favorite things about you, and we have had personal talks about moments of your life that were grief stricken and very down points of your life, and how that, how you've gotten out of that, right? And you have this beautiful child and this wonderful wife and amazing things going on for you. But it, everybody, everybody that I talk to, regardless of their personal life situation is dealing with down moments, moments of grief, hitting the reset. So many people did it during the pandemic where it's like, I don't know, I lost my job. Now what do I do? Or the person that's like, I hate my job and this reminded me of it. Now I'm going on to the next thing. I feel like people are getting stronger with this new beginnings uh, topic that we're discussing, but I'm still going to say, and I, I want to hear more about your guys' experience. I know I'm the guest here, but have you had moments that you can remember that like it was a hundred percent because I was, I was feeling very down or I was upset. I was depressed. I was dealing with a lot of grief and that's what caused you to make the new change. Mm -hmm. Red, Absolutely. would you like to impart anything on this? Uh, I was expecting Ian to, to, uh, answer that but yeah of course um jan was in california for a while <laughs> yeah yeah jan jan was i mean that that uh, when i um think of new beginning i i see two things i see exactly what you said brett um about um having a, a, a loss uh, having to deal with death having to deal with something and it makes you think about your own life, reassess your choices and uh, make big decisions. Moving out of town, changing your job, uh, leaving the country, leaving your girlfriend and taking a new one, whatever it can be, it is a new beginning. And, and that's something that you are inclined to do when you realize that your current situation is not the one that you wanted or that you want at that time mm -hmm. there is also the the decision that you have to make because the situation goes to a certain point and it's unbearable uh, to keep on going on that path um, in my life, I, I had to uh, do choices, big choices, and start over uh, four or five times. Uh, so it, it's always been for me new beginnings. Um, it's always been my choice. It's uh, most of the time, if I, I, I remember correctly, it was not f like. Uh, Someone has died, so I'm changing direction because uh, it, it, it's a wake-up call or, or something mm -hmm. close to it. It was always like if I had a plan on what I wanted to do next because I didn't like the situation I was in at the time or I, I, I felt at the time that my life was going uh, under my will uh, in a direction that I didn't like. So I had to stop and like push, push the reset button somehow. Mm -hmm. And it happens that it was moving out of France, going to Japan or coming back from Japan. It was always big decision, just like when you, you did, Brett, when you uh, went to the desert. 
desert after living in New York for for a few years. Mm-hmm. It's um, scary to take that kind of decision. Um, there is a lot of uh, uh, discussion in France at the moment about the quiet quitting. Uh, people doing the bare minimum at their job mm-hmm. because they don't want to be exploited anymore by, by by their companies. And a lot of people are actually quitting for real. Like last year, probably two million people quit their job uh, because it was like they, they couldn't take it anymore. After the pandemic, they realized that working all day in an office, doing a boring job, uh, not contributing to anything in the society, uh, but making money was not their goal in life. And there was probably something better to do with their time and their energy. So a lot of people quit their job. Mm-hmm. And it's freaking scary to do so. And the day I did that, weirdly enough, when I decided with my wife to quit, to, to leave Japan, I I went to my boss, uh, the, the school I was uh, working as a teacher in, um, and I announced that I, I was quitting. Um, was not scary. It was like a relief because I was yeah. excited to see what would be the next chapter of my life. Mm-hmm. And it's crazy because I've I've never been uh, super enthusiastic about change. Uh, like I like a certain routine, but when the routine is killing you, or the, the the word killing is a little bit strong probably, but when when the routine you're in is not is not good for you, I mean yeah. just let, phrase it, let, let's phrase it that way. It's not good for you long term because for your mental health, for your health, for your finance, for um, what you want to do with your life, for whatever reason, you realize that it's not where you should be. And and I really believe in that um, notion of you are exactly where you should be doing what you should be doing mm-hmm. in life. Um, I, I strongly, strongly believe in that. Um, it, it, it's super scary to, to change and to realize that you are you are not enjoying life and, and by enjoying it I don't mean like partying and stuff but enjoying what you are doing in life that you are you are not fulfilled by your role in your family your society your your company your uh, I, whatever. Mm-hmm. It's super scary to take that decision to just quit or leave or move and and do something else that you don't know what it will be yet because it's you are you are taking a dive into the unknown so to speak yeah uh, it's a big leap into nothingness because nothing nothing is there yet you just have to build everything mm-hmm. um, I, I I I contest that it's probably not a leap into nothingness because you're you you probably you're probably leaping with direction i'd say if nothing else then at least something more vague that i want to get away from here but uh, you're, you're still like like jan said you're bringing stuff with you no no sure like your, you... your experience your your plans your goals you're like even in the vaguest of terms it's like i want to go east or west or whatever for sure to to, to get back to the video game analogy there is this mm-hmm. scene in uh, God of War, probably the second one, or 
uh, Kratos is, uh, is at the top of the mountain. There is there is a cliff, and he's Kratos. He's the f- freaking powerful warrior. So he has all the fighting skills in the world, but he's deceived by a god. So he de- decided to jump from the cliff, and there is fog. So it, you don't. He's not seeing where he's he's jumping into. Probably death, but no. He doesn't die, and then he becomes something even greater. Mm-hmm. That's that's how I see things. You don't know your. When I say leap into the unknown, it's you don't know what your tomorrow will be made of. But of course, you have the skills, the knowledge, everything that you've gained over the years, the company, the friends. Um, when we left Japan with my wife, we had spent ten years over there. We had all the experience. We had all the friend. I had her. And I had the beautiful uh, little boy that she made me. So it was, it was, uh, yeah. She, I heard rumors you helped a little. I, I heard, yeah, just a little bit. Two minutes or something. <laughs> rumors said um, you even had fun while doing so. <laughs> <laughs> I can, Sorry. I, I cannot confirm or deny, but yes, I did. Um, no, you see what I mean. It, it's not. Uh, the time is not lost. It's the, what you've done in the past. It's not. It's not going away. It's still part of you. And where you're going is uh, very much so what you said, Raz, um, something that you, you want to, to go towards, that, that that's the direction you want to take, of course. But uh, there, is, there is no certainty about what will happen. When we came back, I was uh, pretty sure that I would get a job as a teacher. And I did not, which was like surprising but not not that surprising because mm-hmm. i was coming back to france after 10 years not being there so all my relationship the people that i knew that could have offered me a job at the time were gone or or i had lost the connection with them so i had to rebuild everything and that that's very much what we had to to do for the past six years rebuild everything that we have lost when we left the country mm-hmm. um, and now we are at a point in our life that I can look back because I'm, I'm an old guy now Raz shut up um, I, I I know you you're thinking it you're not saying it but you're thinking it and you're still a baby anyway um, hey, I, <laughs> that's uncalled for I have experienced uh, these new beginnings uh, a few times now and I know that even though it's scary it's always worth doing and it's um how to say that it's rewarding in the end mm-hmm. and, and um j- just one more thing uh it's um damn i lost it what was it i want i really wanted to say that um it's scary. I'm very excited now. It's 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 rewarding. Um, damn, I I don't know. It's rewarding Exciting. and it, it's it's it, it's worth it. Mm-hmm. I'd go for that. <laughs> yeah, I would say definitely worth it. Um, I I think like, well, maybe not. I wouldn't say uh, it'd be hitting the reset, but starting something new is definitely always worth it. Because you can only grow if you basically put yourself out there and experience new things. 
uh, it's like uh, Brett said that I lived in California for a while. For me, that was the big thing. Um, I was miserable in Germany. And I'm not saying that it was horrible in Germany. I'm just saying I was miserable <clears throat> at that time because I was not being happy. I was not being fulfilled. There were a couple of reasons that like led me to leave Germany. Mm -hmm. I'm not going to go too deep into it, but I had my reasons to say it's like, fuck it. I want to leave this country. I want to move to the US. A big part of it being uh, just being there before, like when I was... 14 well since i was young i spent some vacations there in germany i was always the oldest one like from i had a younger brother but my mom was the oldest one out of uh four siblings and um over in the us my dad has nine brothers and sisters mm -hmm. and he was like right in the middle so i have cousins that were six seven eight ten years older than i was and also some that were a lot younger than i were uh, I was so being over there was for me always like big family, everyone together, palm trees, beaches. That that was like my my dream picture. That sounds horrible. Yeah, and mm -hmm. it was absolutely like oh. I, oh. Yeah, when's the winter? It, um, winter was um about sixteen degrees Celsius and a little bit of rain for like two weeks out of them. Yeah. Year. No. Nope. <laughs> But you could also go into the mountains and go snowboarding and then go down mountain biking in the mountains and then go surfing in the evenings. So I would count that as a plus. Uh. No, but uh, just, just <laughs> go, going down to it. Basically, I, I, after finished my apprenticeship, I moved over to the US and I moved to Connecticut. So I spent a year over in Connecticut um, working for the company. And like Brett said, it's like the, the cycle of every three years. It only took me one year to decide there's no way in hell I'm going to stay in Connecticut. So I walked into my boss's <laughs> um, office and I was like, yeah, either I'm going to move somewhere else or I'm going back to Germany because I'm not staying here. And uh, so they offered me the position in California. And that was basically when I reached that goal of moving over there. And then I traveled all of North America for about four and a half years. Um, I have not been to Hawaii and I have not been to Florida. I have been to every other state, like at least twice. I've heard it's safer to not go to Florida. I don't know. Never Couldn't tell. Never been there. So uh, <laughs> He says without... that, but now I'm starting to think that Jan is Florida man. <laughs> what? Why? I've never been there before in my life. Every story. Every story <laughs> exactly. is actually young. <laughs> I heard it's where old people go to die. I don't want to go there. <laughs> Fair yeah. So no, but this is like it, it was starting something new. Um I met a lot of like most of my friends I have over in the US has been like in Santa Barbara or like during that time. Mm -hmm. And um, then for me, it was not, I didn't move back to Germany because I really wanted to move back to Germany because it was, I didn't have any job perspective. And that's basically like uh, Brad said, it's like, it took me about four, four and a half years, or it took me four years and I quit and I worked there for another half a year before I actually moved back. So that was basically the three years for me to realize I cannot go any further Basically, I hit a stop. I hit a hard stop over there and I needed to change something. And it had to be 
moving countries again. Mm-hmm. And then I wanted to go to Germany to basically stop by and just like hit home base and then go to maybe Sweden, Norwegian. That was my plan at that time. Oh, hell no. Uh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, you can thank Steph again that you got saved for yes, that. I like her more and more. Yeah. Because I got back in 2008 in October and November, I met Steph. And so we've been, oh my God, married for almost 10 years. Yeah. Oh, been together for 14. So that, that was, <laughs> that, that was my good hard stop there. Jan, well, quick question. How did you feel when you get back, uh, in Germany? Did you, did you see that going back to the country, like, like a failure of some sort or were you happy to, to. I landed in Germany in Stuttgart at the time I got out of the plane and there were people shuffling by with their elbows, like the typical German way. And I was just about, when I was at a package claim, I thought about packing my bags, go around, book the next flight and go back to the US. Because I was already <laughs> sick of Germany. And I was like, nope, nope, you're gonna go there. You're only gonna be here for a couple of months and you're gonna leave again. Yeah, so that's not me, only me. <laughs> when I, yeah, I had the same feeling when I, I, yeah. I came back to yeah. France. I was like, no, that fact, these people can't even get in line to wait for the bus. They are yeah. shouting everywhere. <laughs> I, I hated every second. And and then suddenly the, I met my friends again and they were still there, like my childhood friends. And it was just, I was really welcomed. And uh, yes, there was stuff about bureaucracy, but also a lot of security that I didn't have before. It took me a couple of years to realize that, that it actually is like not everything is bad about having security. Uh, so I thoroughly, like over the years, I started to enjoy it. Mm-hmm. Things changed for me, like a lot, like meeting Stephanie was for me, like one of the greatest things that could have happened to me, uh, because she thoroughly like challenged, excuse me. And to her. Well, I, I, I don't want to speak for her, but <laughs> it's just like, she, she challenged me. She's just like, she's been nothing but a good influence on me. So like really, I, I, I grew so much that I could have never done it without her. And, um, we also love to experience stuff together and just like basically reset or do new things. Mm-hmm. So when I met her, she just changed jobs. Um, after that I changed jobs then she like went back to school. And so we, we've kind of been supporting each other, like over all this time. So, and this is something that growth, like that really shows as I wouldn't say measurable, but like, if you look back, you like, you realize it to the point where we bought a house to like, got married, bought a house together, like things I would have never thought when I moved back to Germany, I was just like, oh, hell no. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I just came out of a relationship and I saw myself like, oh no, no, I'm not going to have a relationship ever again. Like I, I'm done. <laughs> so yeah, no, but it, it, it is that, but that happened out of a reset and uh, we had a lot of firsts since then just like when it comes to traveling and experience new stuff, but it's um, getting out of your comfort zone. So I wouldn't say it's like a reset after that, but it's just constantly trying to experience new stuff is what I think is expo- uh, important when I, it comes to I that. I feel like I, I see Rasmus from afar doing these dances and having these little event meetups and stuff. <laughs> this That's so new and so foreign to me in terms of just like, the way you talk about it and you've discussed it on here as well as just the stuff you show online, but kind of seems like you just show up, 
And I know there's probably a recurring group of people that deal with this, but it seems like a new experience every single time you do it. But yeah, you're always um, the one that like, yeah. I'm going to this thing. I'm going to go to this thing. I'm going to this event. I'm going to go to Steve's place after yeah. making sense. Like you have either a lack of fear or it's just because you're 16 years old that you just like full bore into everything that you do. And it's fantastic. Uh, I be, uh, Raz, before you answer, I, uh, <laughs> I don't want it. No, no, no. I, I, that's that's a really good point that that yeah. Brett uh, has come up with because um, I see Raz as uh, very, very enthusiastic for new adventure, new experiences, uh, lack of fear, as you said, because he's always willing to travel, meet new people, and most of the people that I know don't want to travel because it's boring, it's expensive, it's, it, they, they get exhausted by the, the travel. They don't want to meet new people because yep. you, they have to get out of their comfort zone and take the risk to open themselves to new people. So, yeah, but when, that's but a Once you point. live in Oslo, Norway, like expensive is really not like a term anymore. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I, I admire that. I, I really admire that on uh, in, in Euros because it's it's the the uh, yeah fearless feeling of i want to see the world and people and have as many experiences that i can have maybe as brett said it's because of your youth or maybe because you are not settled uh, yet in life with a wife and kids and and such and such but uh i kind of envy you that because i had this when i was younger and i kind of lost it uh, along the way because of probably my security of having a house a wife a kid and uh, and having to uh, be present for them but yeah that how uh i i don't know uh but I, I feel obliged before my friends pester me about it that there's a very fine line between stupidity and being courageous for sure uh, and I, I don't, I'm not. I'm not sure. I'm walking that line very well. <laughs> no, you, you're hopping from left to right, <laughs> skipping. Yeah. yeah, just ignoring it mostly. Uh, I, I think there's a few things going on that just made me that way. But like uh, the first time I went abroad by myself was when I was 15. I traveled. Uh, basically, I traveled to uh, to Denmark to visit an old schoolmate of mine who moved back to Denmark where he his family is from. Uh, and for some reason, my mom allowed me to do that by myself, taking the train through Sweden down to Denmark and all of that. Uh, but I I grew up traveling a lot. Every single year since I was two years old, we would have at least one vacation a year abroad. I ordered my first ice cream in English when I was two on that, on, on that, on that trip. Uh, so, like, there's certain things that I either learned that isn't as dangerous or I learned how to not make them dangerous. Uh, when I was 19, I went on uh, uh, interrail through Europe by myself, traveling by train through Europe for a month. And it was more like, I want to do something different. Let me do this thing. The same was with going to Japan to study as an exchange student for a year. It's like, well, I'm absolutely fed up with school in Norway. Let me do something completely different. A lot of people I heard about went to the US. Let me do something absolutely different from that, which ended up being Japan. Uh, I'm not interested in anime still. 
uh, I'd done karate for a fair while at that point. So I, I was interested in the history and mythology and the culture of Japan. And of course, learning the language would, I thought would be fun because languages are fun. Um, but I also went over to Japan and realized that, no, the problem wasn't Norway. The problem was me. I am an idiot. <laughs> yeah. It's kind of hard when that when you realize that, right? <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. Um, and that that was quite an awakening. Like when I realized that, then got back home again and realized, like, no, no, that it's everything is the same because I'm still the same kind of thing. And that's when things changed. Do you realize that every new experience that you are running towards when you are very curious and being you can end up being a new beginning? Because mm -hmm. if I remember correctly, you were about to become a diving a scuba diving instructor and then you took a yeah. one class one blacksmithing class and it just clicked and no, that's that, uh so, sort of that, that, um, it was cool but yeah or scuba yes, diving yeah. <laughs> self-contained underwater breathing apparatus <laughs> now okay. do laser now do laser <laughs> oh fuck off i <laughs> Light emitting, no, 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 no that's what's LED. Light emitting diode yeah. is LED. Light, no, it's light diode focused something, isn't it? Laser, how do you spell laser? L D. Yeah, I, I don't fucking know. I don't okay, do English. anyway. Continue with your story, please. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, to well, to sort of uh, rewind a little bit, uh. I guess I'm just wired that way, where new experiences is something that I always want to do and I always move towards it. Uh, I realized, like, having a bit of security is also really, really nice, like a stable base to travel out from. And not, not only, like, having the money for it, but also, like Jan said, uh, when Norway, and especially Oslo, is this fucking expensive, the rest of the world is fairly cheap. So, it's like, comparatively, it doesn't cost me as much, uh, as big as part of my monthly uh, wage to go traveling. Be because, like, the, just the money and conversion rates and the value of it abroad is different. But uh, honestly, I just don't know. Uh, I guess it's just who I ended up being. Mm. I don't think I was born this way, but <laughs> I guess there's a fine line between uh, being like raised at some something and like my, my dad was fairly the same thing he basically ran away from home when he was 16 like he peeled potatoes traveling the whole coast of norway on one of the big ferries or with big boats hiked through finland just for fun met some fantastic swedish people that he went to party with woke up the next morning and realized that all of his new friends didn't speak a lick of english and he don't <laughs> didn't speak finnish nice you don't need so, you don't need language to have a good time with people you can yeah communicate in so many different ways mm -hmm. yeah by drinking and shouting yeah absolutely. i i still think the everybody talked about this and this is just my observation but everything that we've been talking about new beginnings wise and that, that, that jumping into the void as it were it's all travel based so it's getting out of whatever your comfort zone is and yeah, yeah. because of how things True. have shifted over the last hundred years it's easier It's easier to go 100, 200, 1,000 miles out of your way uh, because there are options to do so, right? Financial burdens be damned. If I wanted to go to the other side of the planet, I could. 
and I could be there for a week and I could come back. And you did. Yeah. 2019. <laughs> well, you know, 2010, I was traveling all through a bunch of countries I'd mm-hmm. never even heard of before. So, Oh, the, 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 the long yes, journey to Africa yeah, with yeah. the cars. But, you know, I, I think travel and we say something cliche like getting out of your comfort zone, but really it's the idea that you're able to step into a place that is so foreign to you. And then you, you're pretty safe. Like unless you actually go to, you know, a border war and choose to go there and be a, uh, you know, shoot a documentary on what's going on there. What you're doing is you're just choosing a destination on the planet and comfortably going there to experience whatever the surroundings are and then come back home for something new. So it's not really that scary. And then after that trip, you can know that you've done that. Like I was able to do that and survive in that country. Damn near everybody speaks English. I mean, I'm talking with three people who English is not their first language and you're all fantastic. And I, I, I love listening to the different accents, but (laughs) <laughs> I know, I know that I can travel all what, over the what place. What is he talking about? What is I, 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 I have I, no I, idea. I, yeah. I, I, I really don't know what uh, what it is, is about. I, 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 I'm, I'm really not sure. It's, <laughs> it's this idea. It's this idea that once you prove that to yourself, you're doing the dungeon runs, right? Oh well, I'm going to go to this country and see if I can order food and survive there for a week because I bought this ticket. And then you come back with the experience. We're doing the video game analogy again. And then you just know that you can travel to the different zones. I bet this one's not too much different. Okay, maybe I should know a little bit more before I go to this country. But for me to travel from where I am now to Texas is different. Texas is a weird, weird state. But I can survive there. It's not that far away. But then you go to... Tasmania, and it might be a little bit different. Or, you know, South Africa was a real weird shift for me because there are a bunch of people that look like me, but the culture is very different and the the way that that country got settled and, and all the kind of nonsense that exists within that country, that was a real eye-opener for me. And I did it, and I got back. And I was broke as fuck afterwards, but... I've done enough of those. I've had enough of those experiences that beyond whatever your day to day stuff that we've been talking about this entire time, travel seems to be so important and so prevalent in these conversations of developing that fearless attitude and fucking fortune favors the bold. Like, go do it and you will gain more and more. Rasmus, I do not. I don't know how you do it because everything you do, because I'm not much of a socialite. I see you doing these different events and traveling or going and doing these dance things. I I can't say like when I was your age, because I'm not a ton older than you, but I definitely didn't do that kind of stuff. That would have been really intimidating for me to go and show up and go, I'm going to dance with some strangers. I hope I'm good enough. I, I mean, I actually, though, I'm realizing like I skipped the whole part of my scout life, which might have taught me to meet different people that way. Because when you travel out to these different scout camps, these jamborees, like you know that everyone you meet there, you have something in common with mm-hmm. them. Mm-hmm. You're part of the same organization, which means that on the basis of things, you're probably like knives, axes, setting fire to shit and building <laughs> things with sticks. At least Sounds great. two or three of those. Yeah. yeah. I mean, uh, so just walking up to someone, you know all of that probably is the same. So you can just talk about all the other stuff and know you have something in common. 
And then when it comes to like, yeah, going to these dancing events, I started dancing, went, in, went to a class where I didn't know anyone. I knew friends of friends of mine were there and that was good enough, kind of. Mm -hmm. I went to the blacksmithing meetups here in Norway and I, I knew of people that would be there that I've seen online, that went to school the year after me. We had the same teacher. My teacher would be there. So it's like, cool, people in the same environment. I know I'll probably get along with most of these people. Ah, New Game Plus. Kind of, kind mm -hmm. of. So I, I guess I just end up focusing a lot more easily on all the things or the reason for going is to meet like-minded people. Mm -hmm. So yeah. of course, there should be people there that I can make friends with. Right. But what is it like to, you know, maybe this is a, a just a question for all three of you, but something like a common ground where you go, oh, I'm going to meet other people that are in the scouts, you know, so absolutely there's a common ground there. You probably have a lot of the, yeah. the same background information, but to the idea of, of somebody going and traveling where there is no common ground, that's the part that always stops people, right? We're not able to to go all the way out from a bird's eye view and go, it's just people. I'm just going to this other country because there's people there. I am also a person. I should be able to go and exist there. You have to, it, you don't have to find that common ground, but like, what does it take for you to step into something where there isn't that pre-established common ground? The love of experience, something new. Yeah. I, th I think, I think you'll always find a common ground with people. Um, no, it's, but it's, it's I'm sorry, Russ, but like either you have that love or you don't. Like this oh, is yeah, something yeah, I no, experienced. Like yeah, I yeah. have friends here that I grew up with and it kind of separated at the point where they were comfortable where they lived and all their life was focused on the little town they grew up to where they like found a girlfriend, like getting married. Like this was their focus. And then there were the people where it's like, yeah, but it's not all. There's something out there. Like I want to, experience i want to see the world and just basically meet new people go out and just yeah experience something new yeah I, i think most of the people i know who are really happy where they are are people who have traveled a fair bit yeah. like you sort of get um different analogy like you can't ask a fish about water yeah Like you need to travel somewhere else to realize and get context for where you came from, mm -hmm. and like it, it, I, I, it took me a while just to appreciate the nature of Norway, Ab which is absolutely. fucking beautiful. Oh, oh yes! But when you grew up with mountains and fjords and the sunsets and those yeah. like really, really long summer days, it's like it's how it is. But then you go to the Mediterranean, it's like oh, the sun is up there, and it's like half an hour later, it's gone. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> or you or you end up like going to honestly like being in berlin like berlin is a beautiful city but it's flat as fuck it's hard to navigate <laughs> for me so i'm used gray. to looking up at sea I, things i was there for two weeks and it was so gray and rainy like i really enjoyed my time there but there was nothing to experience outside it was like yeah. very yeah. short walks in between everything because it was so shitty outside <laughs> <laughs> yeah and i mean not I, i mean i don't mean to talk badly about berlin because it is a fantastic town but it's just a contrast of like i love oslo because it's so green because i can live in the middle of the city walk for 15 minutes through a park yeah. not see another person and be at work mm -hmm. yeah but I, i i cross i cross one street on my way to work that was amazing and the rest is, 
Yeah. Berlin is a wonderful city because of the people there. If there is no nature to to admire, yeah, they have cuddle. That's the, that's <laughs> no, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but oh come on, that that's that's how now I. Now you're see picking a fight. That's how I see traveling. Like if you if if I go to the states to see the Grand Canyon or to see Las Vegas or to see whatever. Um, I'm I'm going to see one thing to enjoy the view to experience how the 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 the, the place is, but if I move to the states, I don't only move to see those places, but also to know the people and to experience life yes. with those people, and that's exactly what happened to me in Japan. We traveled a fair bit with my wife uh, throughout the country. We've seen most of the things that I wanted to see uh, except for the north, north part of the country because of Fukushima but after a while traveling gets old because what you really want to experience is other people that's why you move to a place that's the, the real experience is there it's not seeing a beautiful beach for the 10,000 times or wonderful forests in the middle of Japan for the 10,000 times because there will be a temple in the middle and they all look the same in the end. You go there to meet people, to to know what it's like to be them in their place and maybe just experience, um, share a little bit of your experience as who you are. And and Brett, you've, you've said that uh, Raz is kind of fearless and, and it, it uh, kind of intimidates you to meet new people but I've seen you crossing half the world to meet new people in uh, Maker Central I've seen you giving classes uh, blacksmithing classes to people that you absolutely didn't know beforehand uh, and you did great all those times so um a lot's changed in the last couple of years. Yeah. I mean, I've gotten more comfortable with the idea. I think because of a realization of all of these things we're talking about. Like I started to realize how important it was for me to embrace these new experiences, right? And I, I'll admit, I'll be the first one to admit that I got a little bogged down a few times trying to you know, focus on this small town aspect, almost like what Jan's talking about, where it didn't matter where I lived, but I was trying to like make the small thing happen. And I have this group of like six friends right here. And then when I moved upstate, I didn't have any friends, right? They were all still in the city. So it was really just working for Jim 99% of the time and trying to the, to do the YouTube stuff that I didn't take. I didn't take any time while I was there to really explore the area. I drove around to buy materials and, you know, run errands and things like that. But I didn't take any time for myself to go meet new people. And I missed out on that experience. The offset was that Jimmy would have classes or, you know, there would be events in the area. So I lucked out and I got to offset, you know, you guys coming over um, and, and the various classes that we had. And it wasn't until maybe I got out here and just the timing of things, the pandemic shut everything down, couldn't travel, nobody coming in. I didn't have my own space. And just in in the last couple of years, like I was awkward as fuck at the first Maker Central because it was weird enough that somebody came up to me that I didn't know and told me they watched my videos. I mean, we... we and then gave you skeleton heads. Well, yeah. 
Jorgen, Jorgen's his own <laughs> special creature, but the absolutely the you know going to the ten makers thing over at Laura's and then mm-hmm. uh, having these experiences. It's like the perspective I have now is that yes, the travel helped because I'm going to a new place. I'm gonna meet new people. I'm gonna do all these things. But you know, I'm gonna be teaching at the maker camp here. I'm doing it again here in just a couple of weeks. And nice. lucky me, Steve came over. You know, he's he's going through his new beginning and everything like that. And it just so happens to line up to where we're going to be at this event together. It'll be the first time Steve is assisting. Or not assisting. We're we're duoing, right? We're dual, uh, what do you call that? Co, co-manager. Co-teaching? Engineers. <laughs> What's the job title, everyone? <laughs> well, we're co-captains. We're, we're co-owners um co-steel smacking yeah there you go but it's gonna be really interesting (laughs) because not only will it be the first time that steve and i are like teaching together you know we're we're gonna experience a lot of new people at this thing but steve's got his way that he did at the forge and then i've got my way which i have done for the two events you know i've done this event twice before i kind of feel like i know the vibe but also it's steve Steve's done this a thousand times. They hosted classes. So I'm anxious to see what, what the difference is there and how we handle uh, all of these new people and the new experiences because you got, you know, smiley British guy, Steve, who's, I bet everyone's just going to want to go, I want to learn from that guy. But he's, he's like the three headed monkey and you're like the guy brush. <laughs> I would love to see that. But I'm, I'm sorry. Gotten... I had to bring that reference. <laughs> <You're> okay. <laughs> I have gotten, uh, based on what Red said, I've gotten more comfortable in the idea that where I am now and the things that I've been through and all of these experiences and resets and stuff, the one thing I can constantly take with me everywhere I go is the ability to communicate something creative or or bring, bring a little bit of creativity and makery everywhere because it speaks its own language, right? I may not know how to speak whatever you're local dialect is but if both of us are staring at a shelf that's fallen down i bet i bet we don't really have to talk very much we just look at a set of tools that we've got and then we build the shelf again and i i've made the reference before of you know i'm i'm really happy that i grew up being kind of a you know i would sketch and draw and doodle all the time it just meant that i can communicate any thought or idea that i have with a pencil and a piece of paper it doesn't take much for me to do that but embracing that and knowing that I can go to an event in a different country or I could go just on a whim, travel somewhere completely different with no fear and an understanding that I will absolutely be able to make it work, whatever I'm doing while I'm over there. It's something's changed in the last couple of years to realize why that's important and what that means to me going forward. And look, Tangent or not, and I'm sorry that this is rambling on, but this is a genuine thought that I've had. Uh, no, no, this is why you brought you okay. on. Okay, <laughs> I appreciate that. Uh, if you guys recall, there was that um, the DIY hero thing that I was posting about for a little while. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Far be it from me to realize that that was a total fucking scam afterwards. Like There was a winner, but there's a lot going on with that company that was not super great. But it kind of sparked this idea of like, well, what would I do? What would I do if I got that 
like money injection. Yeah, that like might help me with some things around the house, but what would I actually do? And I started to take this this like wider angle view of what the YouTube meant and what the social media meant and what success would mean either financially or, or social media wise. And like, I want to help people. I want to bring something to the table. I want to be able to give something back because I know how meaningful that's been for me in my life where even if it is short lived, somebody can come in and add so much value to that experience, whatever you gain from it, whatever that dungeon run that you go on together. So what if I got that and was able to say, this month, I'm going to take $1,000 and I'm going to go find somebody that needs help building their shed. You know, I, I heard of so many people during the pandemic that were like, we started this process and then we got totally, you know, just like completely derailed, right? They can't afford materials. Material costs ran up. Permitting offices are closed. They can't make any movement with things. What does it mean to have somebody show up for a weekend with a, like a thousand dollars in their hand and go, we're going to spend this money and we're going to do work because it's what I have to offer is like a little bit of cash, but my hands and the knowledge yep. that I bring to the table. And since that thing kind of failed, I I've been thinking about that more and more. They're like, yes, my, my ability to be a bit nomadic and travel places and stuff what I'm looking at now travel wise and like what I want to do. Yeah. This, this maker camp thing, I get to show up and then hopefully educate some people. And I was talking to my buddy about it. I'm not showing up there to just regurgitate the same things that I've done in the past. Every single time I show up to a place to teach, even if it's an event of just like, we just want to have blacksmithing available and let people swing hammers. No, no, no. I get that. But what I would love is if, 50 people interact with me to learn what I did. 10 of them started blacksmithing after that. Or they got they got comfortable in it. Somebody bought an anvil. Somebody, I think last year I did a class with somebody who'd never done it before. And then they bought one of the cheap anvils from somebody. And it was like that. I hopefully helped create that new path for them or like open that door for them. So this this fearless nature, this this idea that you can show up and have new beginnings. I'm looking at it as more selfless nowadays. Can I create new beginnings? Can I help people start down that new beginning path? Because I yeah. know how helpful that's been for me in the past. Having that safety net or having people open up those opportunities for me is just as important for doing it and creating it yourself. So I want to see if I can continue doing that going forward and adding value to people's lives, opening doors creating new opportunities or new beginnings for people. It's like, it's, it's a completely new perspective I have on things, but it's only happened over the last couple of years. It's quite the good tone to end at, unless there's some last final thoughts. No, sounds like something to focus on. <laughs> oh, he's doing it again. <laughs> <laughs> Always. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> So, Brett, do you want to start with a focus? I can. Um, I Yeah, just because you're the guest, so guest of honor kind of thing. Absolutely. Okay, so I don't know if you guys have heard about this television show, documentary, football, European crossover with Ryan Reynolds, but it's called Welcome no. to Wrexham, and it's on Hulu. Okay. But there is a... If if anybody knows the, the pyramid structure of how... Um, 
English soccer works or English football. There's this big pyramid structure of how the teams are tiered out and who gets money yeah. and who are the who are the big teams that get paid a lot and all these different leagues, right? Well, Ryan Reynolds and I'm fa- blanking on the guy's name, the dude from Always Sunny um, in, in Philadelphia. Philadelphia. Yeah. So they purchased Wrexham football team who was a very low team uh, on the that big pyramid or whatever, very low level team because it has all this beautiful history and uh, they talk about it a little bit in the episodes, but they're actually filming the thing documentary style <laughs> and it's, it's beautiful and there's like heart-wrenching moments already and there's this sense of them wanting to help this town out, right? It's an investment for them. There's probably business aspects that are behind the scenes that we all will never know about. But it is a beautiful story. And Ryan Reynolds and the guy from Always Sunny are like lifting this town and this team because it's not just about the football. This town is part of it. And they want to elevate this team and maybe take them through the ranks and get them bigger. And it's current... They just started last year and there was just a game the other day on uh, Saturdays. I think they play or something like that. So you can watch the story being developed of, of what this all means, why they got into it. And then you can actually watch the football games because that's the team that's currently happening. This is not so far in the past. It's like almost live documentary that's going on. Maybe just a couple of months in between. Cool. That. That's really fat. I mean, I'm not a big sports guy, especially not Neither am I. But that's that's fascinating. I like that concept. Yeah, it is as far as I can tell, it's a very new concept, but if you think about it, just like top level, if you think about it, what they did was go, yes, it's investment and it's going to cost money to do this thing to purchase a team like that. But how many multi-million or billionaires, you know, you hear about people owning Champion League level? Yeah. And they're like oil barons and things like that or massive celebrities. What if you had $10 million because you were a semi-successful star and you just went, I think this could be cool. And maybe we mm-hmm. help this town out and like give them some hometown pride again and help elevate their team. It is genuinely everything they're setting up to do with this team, regardless of how it works out. The concept behind it is beautiful. And it feels nice. like Ryan Reynolds and the guy from Always Sunny are like creating a new beginning for this team, even though it's one of the oldest Welsh teams that exists. Yeah. It's beautiful. Go check it out. It's called Welcome to Wrexham. Whether or not you can watch it, just maybe follow the story. There's a ton of articles coming out about it and stuff because people are just jumping on the bandwagon. So it's good. We'll definitely Ooh, do. Yeah. That de- yeah, that deserves a look-see. Uh, I, I'd like to go next uh, on Fair of Red Stealing Mine. Uh, yes, I see your look. Uh, although it's a bit tentative because both Rings of Power and House of the Dragon are starting really promising, but a lot of things can happen. Yeah, no. I, <laughs> a lot of shaking uh, heads. <laughs> I'll watch Game of Rings Thrones, of Power. but Rings of Power can disappear. No, Rings of Power got nothing to do with the Silmarillion, nothing to do with Lord of the Rings, but it is an interesting story they're they're working at. And if now I I need to consciously consciously tell myself to watch it. This is fan fiction. It is not Tolkien. It is set in Middle Earth, 
by accident almost. <laughs> okay. No, no, yeah, no, if you come at it with that attitude, I think you can enjoy it. But there's only been two episodes so mm-hmm. far. Mm-hmm. And it is starting promising. And But I'm... It is not Tolkien. That's sort of all I can say. I've only seen one, so I, I I will keep my mouth shut for the moment. Yeah, uh, and, uh, and and of course the pro- the problem with uh, Rings of Power is that they didn't buy the rights to the Silmarillion, so there's I'm sitting there in the first episode being absolutely frustrated because they could have done that thing, they could have referenced that thing, and they didn't do the thing they were should have done in that scene, and and then I realized like no, it's because they can't because. Either they, by mistake, didn't buy the rights to the Silmarillion, or they consciously didn't want, or they consciously wanted to tell a different story. Mm-hmm. Either way, they are giving the right hints to what is happening in the Silmarillion. They don't show in Goliath dest- and Morgoth destroying the, the the trees, but they do tell that story and say it happened. Mm-hmm. You don't have the kinslaying, but you do tell the story of elves being at war. And they take this whole entirety of the first age and compress it down into one scene and then an aftermath of people underwater. So they do sort of tell you that this is in the world of Middle-earth, but it's not Tolkien. And my one annoyance with it is the writing of the dialogue. It lacks the Tolkien flair of how he strings sentences together. But I think still it can be a really good story. Might have to give that a try then. Maybe, maybe. Might take us on a bit of an unexpected journey. <laughs> hey! <laughs> okay. Um, I'm going to go like really short because I got two of them. Like a lot of the rings, if you want to like basically have the good part of it. Um, I said I went to the concert this week, uh, Blind Guardian. It's fantasy metal. Their yes, most of their songs yes. are concentrated like they're, they're a German band singing in English. Most of the songs are concentrated on Lord of the Rings or just fantasy metal. Uh, give it a try, especially I want to point out the Bard song. And if you get one of the live concerts, you can see basically a stadium with like 40,000 people singing the chorus, like just singing the song for the band. It's really amazing. And uh, the second one is uh, kind of lighthearted, something I've been following along lately because I love to do gardening. Uh, It's called Epic Homestead or um, Epic Gardening. And basically, both the channel belong to the same guy. And uh, it's a guy in San Diego. And uh, Brad, he's doing kind of the same thing as you. Like he bought a small house renovated it put solar on the roof and so this is like the epic homesteading part and then the epic gardening because he's just transforming his whole front yard just into gardening like planting watermelons different dragon fruits just all kind of different stuff those are the two i want to focus on very cool mine is um actually a cosplayer of so so to speak he, uh, on tiktok what on tiktok again no on instagram actually oh this is new yeah <laughs> um it's an artist uh she's called alien uh e-l-i-e-n uh she's from berlin she has a, a big uh, account, uh, more than uh, 138,000 uh, followers. 
and I stumbled upon her account because she made an armor out of puzzle pieces, which is kind of okay. crazy to me. Uh, and it, it it looks like awesome. Um, so yeah, the the the, ac- the name of the account is actually Li Chi underscore Chi L I E underscore C H E E. Uh, we'll put that in the in the show notes and everything. Uh, but she makes awesome cosplay, awesome dresses, uh, fantastic costumes, uh, real artist, very talented. Um, so yeah, uh, you can check it out. Check her on nice. Instagram, and she's probably also on YouTube and TikTok and every other places. Ha, I knew it. Yes. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> but she re- really really talented um, uh, cosplay maker so yeah cool Brett uh, where can people find you you can find me in all of the social media places what does Steve say again <laughs> fuck anyway um, <laughs> something like it yeah Skull and Spade 13 on Instagram and then my name Brett McAfee on YouTube and I think that's it. My MySpace page might still be up, but I, I've kind of forgotten what that is. <laughs> <laughs> and if you want to find the rest of us, you can do that collectively at Two Thirds Focused on any of the mostly social things. And you can find me at Rasmus Lewin and Lewinsmeer.no. And you can find me at theredsmith.com or Redsmith or the Redsmith everywhere. And lastly, you can find me at nerdamanda.com. Uh, where there's also links to all of my social. Thanks, Brad. Thank you, guys. Thank you for coming on. Thank you so much for being here. It was so nice to talk to you guys again. Absolutely, man. Cheers. Thank you for listening. Have a good week. Bye, guys. Bye. There it is.